This episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast is actually a broadcast that we do on AM radio. So we do a show called The Draw on 12:10 a.m. The Man, which broadcasts in South Florida, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, we've been broadcasting live from Cigar Cellar of Miami at 1557 Sunset Drive, and we're sharing broadcasts of The Draw here on our podcast. So without any further ado, here is the latest installment of The Draw. On 12:10 a.m., the man, which you can also find on Spotify if you search for the draw 12:10, or uh, streaming live again Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 12:10theman.com. That's one two one zero theman.com. Otherwise, uh, you should be able to catch uh, episodes of that show right here on the Cigar Snob Podcast feed, unless you want to hear us live, which is always fun. Anyway, here you go. What's up, bros? This is Nicky Menez. You're listening to The Draw on 12:10 a.m. The Man. We are broadcasting live from Cigar Cellar of Miami at 1557 Sunset Drive. I'm here with special guest David Berjano, who you probably don't know, but you will get to know over the course of the next hour or so. David, do you know how many watts we broadcast with? Yeah, 12:10. No, 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 you're, this is, uh, you see, this is very technical, 50,000 watts. Had no idea, I should know that. Get closer, get closer to the mic when you do this. Got you, got you. There you go. We used to, we used to lead with all sorts of fun math, like how many JJ watts are in 50,000 watts? (laughs) How many JJ watts would it take to get to the moon? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, I don't have any of that ready for you, so what are you going to do? We are smoking cigars as we always do, uh, this time around, because Eric Calvino, who you may know from such things as the promo for the show that you heard 30 seconds ago, is not here. He is out road tripping with his family, as if that were more important than this radio show. <laughs> uh, he is out looking at rocks and driving around mountains and peeing in an RV uh, instead of being here tending to his business. And so, because I am expensing this whole thing, I have picked out one of my favorite and also most expensive things in the humidor. It is the Placencia Alma Fuerte, uh, which Cigar Snob gave the honor of naming it the number one cigar of 2017. So, as you know, we are waiting for Eric to come back so we can smoke number 25 on our 2018 list. Since he's not here, I said, guess what? I'm going for number one of 2017 and buying one for my buddy David. It's delicious. Uh, So, yeah, we're smoking this Placencia Alma Fuerte, which you can buy right here at Cigar Cellar of Miami. Uh, so we'll get into this a little bit later, but, uh, but we picked this out in part because I love the cigar, but also because, David, you mentioned that uh, some of your go-tos are Nicaraguan, yep. and you hadn't had Absolutely. this yet. So um, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of introduction here. So, uh, David, you are somebody who, even if people, some people may know who you are because you've, you've gotten a little bit of press for your work here locally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even if people don't know your name, there's a very high probability that they have driven by or drank next to or otherwise interacted with stuff that you've done. So yeah, there's let, definitely a possibility. Yeah, yeah. So let's tell the people uh, what you do. So we're most known for our marketing and advertising work with Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company. But who's we? Uh, Philip Klump is my, uh, my business partner. We're part of Beyond the Agency. Uh, so 
we had been working with Lincoln's Beer for the past two and a half, three years. Uh, came up with the whole Weird of the Beard campaign and, uh, you know, partnered up with Falco over there. John Falco was the head brewer and the part owner there. And they did some fantastic stuff. And now he is he's branched off and doing stuff in West Kendall with uh, Strange Beast. So uh, definitely some of the breweries and brew pubs and places like that, you might have uh, come across stuff that we've done. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, so Lincoln's Beard, I, I imagine most people probably know where that is, but just in case, it's right near Bird and 72nd. In, uh, bird in, uh, yeah, bird, yeah, bird right off the of Palmetto. Right, right, right. Correct. Uh, near, near the world famous Bird Road Arts District. Yeah. Or, or is it? I don't know if it's technically in there, but we'll say that it is. Yeah, it's, it's right around there. I think that gives it a little cachet. Yeah, it, it's actually Glenvore Heights, which I've never heard anyone in Miami reference. Right, right. So I only know like, of Glenvore Heights because sometimes my phone tells me to put that as the location <laughs> for my Instagram photos. Yeah. When I'm when I'm in like, Glenvore Heights. Is this? Yeah, like I hadn't. I thought that I thought it was a mistake. I thought it was like mixing me up as being like somewhere in Virginia or something. Yeah. Uh, I also like that any place in Miami has heights in the name. Yeah. Which is good. I'm a fan of that. Um, so uh, so talk about Weird at the Beard. And what we're going to get into a little bit is, is uh, you know, some of these, some of your creative work and maybe how people can kind of employ it themselves. I'm sure a lot of people here either have their own businesses or want to get into business somehow. And I think that the marketing and the creative stuff for a lot of people tends to be like some of the most intimidating part even if you're like out looking for somebody to help you don't know what to look for in that person yeah uh but the weird and the, the weird of the beard campaign was a lot of fun no it was it was fantastic it was it was a great match because it had to do with the fact that they had an eclectic group of people running the brewery starting with john falco uh you get to meet this guy and you get i mean he he's a, a character himself and he he was the he said the phrase if your marketing gets me arrested, I like it. Right. So that, that was like, was, that was like the in lead your off. meetings. Yeah. yeah, that was like the lead off. So we're like, all right, this is great. Um, <laughs> and after doing research and looking at the other breweries and, you know, kind of coming up with ideas, we just felt that capitalizing on weird was uh, a strong point for them. They were out there, like we said, right off the Palmetto and Bird Road. They're not in Wynwood competing with, like, the other main right. breweries. It's weird that they were there at all. It's, exactly. Uh, so Cigar Snob has uh, our offices right there in that neighborhood, and it's yeah. primarily a warehouse district. Yep. Well, it's pretty industrial, a lot of body shops, a lot of... There's some, there, there is some art happening in the Bird Road Arts District, but it's not something that you're really even conscious of. And then suddenly, there was, like, what is arguably... And you had a hand in this, the coolest brewery to hang out in, in, in Miami. Yeah, definitely in West Miami, in south, Southwest Miami, there was nothing like it. And it was a really nice uh, change of pace for that area. I think what's awesome is that it kind of put a testing, it was like the testing ground for that area. And now there's a second brewery opening up called Unseen Creatures. So the fact that they were able to make it there kind right. of gave them a reason to, to open up. So we'll see how they pan out but, it's kind of exciting to see that happen. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you're, um, you're meeting with, let's say, John Falco, and he tells you that he's down to get arrested. Yeah. What does that end up, uh, as far as I know, he wasn't arrested. Yeah. But what does it end up meaning in terms of, like, okay, now I have a sense for these guys? Like, first of all, is there somewhere that people can go to look at some of this Weird of the Beard campaign right now? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely stuff still on their Instagram, but we're not necessarily running that right now. But you can go to our website. You can... Uh, follow me directly, and I've been sharing stuff that we've done throughout the campaign. So, uh, on our website, we have the full case study. We have. And the website is uh, beyondtheagency.co. Okay. So they can go there, and and you'll be able to see some of the fun stuff that we've done from the entire campaigns that we've run, 
from Weird of the Beard to the individual stuff that we've done during like uh, St. Patrick's Day and uh, Cinco de Mayo and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we kept it really relevant to the, the family of weirdos that we created. Right. So everything kind of generated around that, that narrative. So how, what's, the, what's the weirdest it got in your estimation? I think the weirdest it got was when we ran the peanut butter and jelly eating competition. Oh, I saw some of that. Yeah, it was called Don't Be Jelly Fest, and it was where we invited <laughs> all the local craft breweries uh, to come in and compete to see who could uh, eat the most uh, PB&Js. And uh, they did it almost WWE style where they came dressed in full wrestling garb, uh, had an introduction music yeah. coming down the staircase and this whole, you know, bravado and, and awesome like. Uh, I liked a lot of the taunts, too. There, <laughs> were, there were some like pro wrestling style taunts. Yeah, involved. people came out with uh, with little banners and little signs uh, kind of like taunting each other. So it, it was nice. They, they took jabs at each other, but it was all, you know, in fun. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. great. So who won? Who won the peanut butter well, and jelly? What's funny is that we actually allowed uh, a local beer podcaster. We, we invited the community, essentially. Anyone who's either a brewery or directly involved with the craft beer community. And he's back-to-back champion at this point. Who is he? Uh, who who's, there, there who is, is Miami's beer, back-to-back peanut butter and jelly he's, he's eating the, His name is the Big Librarian. This guy is a big dude. Um, it, the They're on Beer Bro. I think it's Beer Bros Podcast. Uh, and they've just come back out of nowhere and... and and they ate 14 PB&Js in, in 10 minutes last time. I think they beat that with 18 this time. So it was a team effort. Yeah. Well, no, it was one guy, but he's representing his, you know, oh, okay. the, the, the little podcast. Sort of here. like a like a boxer, right? Like yeah, they, yeah. they always talk in terms of we. Like, yeah, it's me in there, but yeah. I have my trainer, yeah, I have yeah. you know, my corner they man. They had their, their entourage. Right, right, right. It's, it's great. Did you, did, were you in the mix or did you like... No way. I mean, if you look at my friend, there's no way I'm, I'm eating that. I bag. don't know, man. <laughs> so, what was uh, Kobayashi? You could Kobayashi, be. You, yeah. you could be the peanut butter and jelly Kobayashi. To, to, to train all year <laughs> <laughs> to just uh, eat a few PB and Js, and but it was, it's great. People competed knowing that they weren't going to win, but they did the whole show and they came out and, and they supported and and it, it was all fun. It was really like yeah, yeah. So that's been kind of like the craziest thing that we've seen. It's it's a packed house. People are, it's, and it's such a, it's a concentrated right there in front of the stage where, where on usual nights people perform. But it uh, it's just great. Like if if you've been there, you could see how it could all create that environment where everyone's just like focused in on the competition and for what's sure. going on. For sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, okay, so and so you're still involved with. Uh, are you still involved with uh, Lincoln's beard or with John now that he's off doing with his own John, thing? With John now that he's doing Strange Beast. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about Strange Beast. This so is a new project, and what's cool about it, not to, you know, I just told you to tell me about it. I'm telling you what I think is cool already. Yeah. But that Lincoln's beard already was, you know, part of what made it stand out in people's minds was that it sort of transformed <clears throat> the the feel of an intersection that had been the same way for a long time. Yeah. Or, or at least it was a part of that transformation, but probably the most visible, biggest, like, part that you felt the most. And now he's gone even farther west Correct. to a place where people maybe expected even less for there to be yeah. a brewery. I mean, it's, it's out there in uh, Sunset and 150-something. It's like 155th, I believe. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting. It's a smaller venue, for sure, but he, uh, he, he just wanted to make... An entire concept based off the kaiju Godzilla, you know, theme, and it, and just like those strange beasts, which is basically the the transliteration of of kaiju. Uh, there's so much to play with there, and he gave me the opportunity to do the brand identity and all the branding that went around that concept. So uh, he's doing great things. It's a half 
brew pub half pizzeria. So, okay. So it, that's the the main thing. He, it's now more like it's split 50-50 essentially when it comes to the food versus beer concept. And doesn't have as big of a beer facility as Lincoln, but uh, they're really hyper focusing on the uh, the the pizza aspect and th- that pairing, which is great. And so, talk a bit about was it that you got hooked up with John initially? Is that was that sort of your introduction to this? And was this your first uh, involvement in the South Florida brewery? world it was uh it was uh philip my business partner had met with them and uh they had some introductory meetings to see if they were interested in us helping them out with their marketing and social media and as conversations developed and we really started pitching the idea of doing a creative campaign and and, and basically branding them as a a standalone brewery that separates itself and differentiates itself from the craft beer scene here in miami uh that's when things started developing that was our first craft beer client and since then uh we've worked with a few others right now um finishing up the brand identity for spanish marie which is another small brewery out there by uh the tamiami executive airport nice so so um john has his own kind of interesting story as far as like getting into brewing uh brewing brewing uh after a career in in military intelligence um and, and sort of being a hobbyist brewer. So this is where I shamelessly plug uh, myself uh, because uh, you were there. I did, a, I did a very long interview, so I'll just mention, I, I just tweeted it. I'm, I'm so good at technology. Uh, uh, I just tweeted, you can find me on Twitter at Nicolas A. Jimenez. Don't forget the A for Antonio there in the middle. Nicolas A. Jimenez, no H in Nicolas. Uh, and I just tweeted an interview that I did um, a while back with John, and it's like a solid hour. Yeah. Uh, where we're talking about John and his sort of journey. It's sort of an inspiring story because he turned a hobby into a business that now is, it seems like it's become his obsession now, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, what's great is that Strange Beast is not supposed to be just a standalone location. It's supposed to be kind of like a hospitality group for other concepts that are going to spin off. So he'll have other concepts that will be by Strange Beast uh, cool. that are spinning off in the next couple of years. So Very cool. I'm excited for that as well. So uh, briefly, we have, like, um, we have like a minute here. Do you remember your first cigar? Wow. Or do you remember like around when you started smoking cigars? I remember my godfather a while back. I was probably 15 years old had given me a, a cigar to take a puff out of. And uh, I had no idea how to smoke cigars at that point. So I inhaled and I was coughing for like five minutes straight. And I'm like, what did I just do? I'm going to die. <laughs> and so that was my first experience. But I knew that I just did it wrong. So later on, I, I got more into it. I would say... Uh, probably in my 20s when my best friend uh, Rudy Mayer uh, had been getting into it and he knew more about it. And yeah. So I had someone that at least to guide me. <laughs> right, right. And take me so the it. lesson here is if you smoke underage, you might die. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the Don't thing to take away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we are... God, oh, I'm so good at this radio timing thing. We are coming up on a break and this is where I let you know that you've been listening to The Draw live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. I'm here with David Verjano, who does all kinds of creative stuff, sometimes, but not always, involving beer. He's drinking beer now. You can't get him away from beer. This is crazy. Uh, and we will catch you after all of these very, very informative advertisements. Don't, don't not pay attention. Listen to these ads, okay? We'll see you later. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to The Draw on 1210 AM. The man live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. Did you know, David, that Cigar Cellar is a sponsor of this program? Absolutely. So 
This is a thing that I tell people every time we do this show. Are you ready for this? I'm going to look right into your eyes while I do this, <laughs> in between it. reading uh, from this thing. <laughs> hey, guys. This is Nick Jimenez, senior editor of Cigar Snob Magazine. It just says insert name here, but I'm going to throw in senior editor of Cigar Snob <laughs> Magazine. Also from The Draw, that is the radio, st- the radio show you're listening to right now. As a person who travels the world visiting cigar lounges, that's true, I do do that. People ask me about the best cigar bars in Miami, and I always answer... Cigar Cellar, located right off of Sunset Drive in South Miami. Owner Alex Broch invites you to the man cave that is Cigar Cellar. I need to edit this copy. I always remind people it is sometimes a woman cave. It's sometimes a dog cave. There's a dog here now. Jackson is back. Jackson wasn't here the last time we did the show. Jackson is here. He will bark at you if you're wearing a cap. Be careful. They have a great selection, including Oliva, my father, La Flor Dominicana, CLE, Arturo Fuente, and also the Placencias that we are smoking right now. We're smoking Placencia Alma Fuerte. So Cigar Cellar is a proud carrier of Cigar Snob's 2017 Cigar of the Year. Come by for that. Along with some excellent craft beers and wine. What do you drink in there? have the uh, Freedom Tower. Freedom Tower. David is drinking Freedom Tower. They have Freedom Tower here. Come here. Be free. Be free. Don't, don't be one of these unfree beer drinkers. Drink Freedom Tower. There is a 24-hour access VIP member lounge, if you are a VIP member, with humidified lockers, a TV, and big discounts. Not little discounts, big discounts. If you remember, it's 800 bucks for the year, which includes store credit, gets you discounts on, uh, on anything that you buy here in the store. Uh, so really, pretty good deal. 24-hour, I mean, I wish, I, I, should, I don't know why I'm not a member. I should be a member. I, I think it's just because I smoke at the office all the time. I feel like I'm a member of the Cigar Snob Lounge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and besides, I want to hang out with Jackson, and Jackson is not a member here. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Cigar Cellar is also home to our radio show. We are live on site Monday through Wednesday. Today It's Monday. That's why we're here now. Uh, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., we hang out, smoke, and talk all manner of cigar snobbery. Come visit Alex Broch and the great people at Cigar Cellar. They will make you a VIP. They're at 1557 Sunset Drive. You can call them at 305-381-0458 if you are one of those weirdos who still uses a phone to call people. Yeah. Or go to their website, CigarSellerOfMiami.com. That's CigarSeller, C-E-L-L-A-R. Not like a seller who sells cigars, but seller like an underground thing. But this is not underground. It is at ground level. They have lots of natural light here because they are not in a basement. Also, seller uh, is spelled with a C like the celery that will come with your chicken wings if you stop at Sports Grill and Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7, bring me chicken wings. If you bring me chicken wings, I will shout you out and anything you want so long as it's not vulgar, live on the radio. That is how much I like chicken wings. Bring me chicken wings. Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7, at Cigar Cellar of Miami while I'm doing this radio show. Also, follow them on Instagram at cigar underscore seller. It's cigar seller. Are you feeling insecure, David, because I just out-marketing to you? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do, do I, you I, wish that you could provide this to all your clients? I, I can't compete. My dad's been in radio for almost all his life, so I, I've, I've already kind of come to terms with it. I'm not going to compete with that. <laughs> um, okay, so we were talking earlier about your first cigar. Uh, talk, talk a bit about, though, so you said it was your, your dad or your godfather that... Uh, they were both smoking cigar, and then they let me try it. So it was like a family thing for you. So, so you, you'd been yeah. around cigars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so have you found that you sort of, uh, now that you're sort of well into your own groove, have you yeah. sort of settled into a particular type of cigar, and how are you feeling about what we're smoking now? You can be honest. I really like what we're smoking now. Um, I mean, it was based on the recommendation 
that uh, I typically smoke uh, Flor de las Antillas, uh, and, and it, it's just a really good smoke. I, I feel like it's really smooth. Uh, I tend to go. I, Nicaragua has been putting out some pretty good cigars for sure. Of course, yeah. So yeah, and the smoothness I think is is yeah. is the the major thing here. So I don't know how much you know about Placencia. Um, but so you, given the business you're in, you probably know the, their cousins who are the República Placencias. Correct. No, I know that they actually um, have equity stake in the tank brewing. Correct. And they have that little cigar uh, lounge there at the, at the tank as well. So. Exactly. So the, uh, the Placencias uh, have been making cigars for a very long time, but it was only more recently that they made like a, a real push with their own uh, like very premium brands like yeah. Alma Fuerte. Um, and so a lot of people were sort of surprised because it's something that, especially if you only did your shopping at brick-and-mortar stores, you hadn't seen that name a lot. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, oh, the Cigar of the Year came out of nowhere, and it's this Placencia people. Yeah. They are sitting on one of the largest stockpiles of aged tobacco anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's, it makes perfect sense that if you had never heard of them and then suddenly you saw them in your shop's humidor, yeah. it would be... At the, whether you liked it or not, at the very least, some of the smoothest smoking experience that you'd have. Uh, it's it's like very chocolatey, but it's that like nice rounded kind of chocolate. It's not that yeah. sort of abrasive with like the pepper in the back of your throat yeah. kind of thing that you get sometimes with Nicaraguan which, cigars. Which for me, um, I actually don't like peppery. Sure, so yeah. So like Peping isn't really a cigar that I go after much, but it, that's, it tends to be the ones that I stay away from. Right, these, with the exception of Flor de la Hanti. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like... But the other ones that I've had from Beping, they tend to be more on the peppery side. So I was just like, all right, I don't know if this is like consistent across the board or if it was just. Uh, yeah. And, and his thing is more of, I shouldn't have said like, yeah, because he, he, his are peppery, but they're not like that they hurt you peppery. Correct. It's just like a sort of big, bold kind of in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Profile. Um, so where do you tend to do most of your, had you been in here before in cig- at no, Cigar Cellar? No, my first time. I mean, obviously you'll just keep coming back here. This is yeah. the only place you're going to smoke there. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, when you're smoking with family, who's in charge of buying the cigars for family events? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much the one. Like you're my the dude. dad, actually, even though he was smoking cigar at that point, he was he would smoke once in a blue moon. The way he would phrase it, you know, like it's like once a year or once right. a, a special occasion. Uh, and then I I got more into it in my early to mid twenties, so I started learning more about it. And ha- so I, I guess I could have a better decision making. Like there was one time my friend was having a going away party and. His dad gave me the reins to go. He's like, "Here's, you know, 100 bucks. Go buy, you know, right, X right. amount of cigars for for the family." So, yeah, I, I tend to be a little bit more aware, but I'm definitely still. Uh, I still need a lot to learn, and right, right, still. Right. So know, you, fresh. so you grew up where in Miami? Southwest Miami, like West. Uh, it, it's basically like on 137th and 8th Street. Okay. Still unincorporated Dade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's like in between FIU and Miccosukee. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Belen. So yeah, I was I was exactly, at right school right around there. Exactly. So now in your work, uh, one of the things that I find interesting about the stuff that you do, aside from the creative aspect of it, is that, and I don't know how conscious you necessarily are of this yourself, but you tend to do stuff with. Uh, with small businesses and brands that are very tied usually to Miami but very often to their specific neighborhood yeah is that something that you feel especially strongly about like did you set about at some point like okay when when you got into uh, advertising and marketing and all the creative work that you do is that something that you had in your mind as like that's what I want to contribute on some level no absolutely I think that I felt that Miami was 
needing of better creative and better advertising. Uh, there, there's almost like a stigma when it comes to advertising. It's because of how people run it through the mud and, and kind of uh, just do things for the sake of exposure and not necessarily for the sake of resonating and connecting with their audience. So in Miami, I felt there was a plenty of space for, for me to be able to come in and, and provide not just a creative approach, but a very local and like relevant uh, aspect to whatever brand I'd be working on. So I've had the, the fortune of, of collaborating on accounts like Vicky Bakery and Pincho Factory and Jungle Island. They're very local brands and, and born and bred here. So, uh, and then even at the smaller level with Lincoln's Beard and some of these other breweries, uh, really making it a neighborhood-focused kind of approach is big. And, and I think that it's we're trying to bring the kind of creative and strategic uh, approach and viewpoints that big agencies used and, and actually apply them at the local level, which I have not seen uh, in, in pretty much across the board down here. So what would an example of that be, for example? So I just said an example, for example. We more, we more recently started working with a concept called Diced, so they, they do like bowls and salads and wraps. Yeah, I eat there all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we just started working with I, that. I don't, I don't look like I eat a diced all the time, <laughs> but I do eat a diced. Pr I probably eat a diced maybe too, too many orders of extra chicken in my salad. <laughs> no, it's great. It has a nice mix. You could, you could go and eat as much as you want, or you could be healthier that day, but it has that versatility for sure. So they were opening in Pembroke Pines, and we decided to run a campaign. Uh, they're right there on Pines and Dykes Road, and we kind of ran this uh, – this stunt where we made it seem as we bought out Dykes Road and converted it to Dice Road as part of them opening up in the neighborhood. And we ran an article and had a bunch of videos that kind of CGI'd the, the sign that said Dykes and made it show Diced, had phone cameras and all these things and made it look really organic. And then the neighborhood really uh, started buzzing about it. Like the article that we ran had thousands of shares and, and, and comments on it. And uh, we reached over... 50,000 people just with the article. Overall, we've the impressions were, were really high in hundreds of thousands, actually. So doing something like that would only make sense contextually in Pembroke Pines for that grand opening. It, it, and uh, in, in any other concept, it really wouldn't have made sense to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. So earlier you mentioned about just how much Miami needed uh, advertising that fell into a certain... Talk about what Miami doesn't need. During the break, we were kind of talking about some of the, the terrible advertising that's right. out there. Um, what, what does that look like? And, and more broadly, like, what do you think is the negative impact of that kind of advertising beyond just for the, the client, so to speak, or whoever's putting it out there? Because yeah. obviously if it's, if it's bad, that means that on some level it doesn't work. But there's a, a way that I think that that probably affects the community. Like you're walking through a neighborhood, and if the advertising is bad, it makes you feel bad about the place. It's true. Yeah, I think that... The, uh, there hasn't been this overall um, community of, of, of creatives that have put out and, and clients that wanted to push out very uh, cutting edge kind of messaging and advertising and creative. So I don't know if um, there's like one insurance company that's been running a lot of ads that are very like sexually oriented and having cleavage on it and having like <laughs> a bunch of women on it and uh, even like bondage references in it. And uh, so... That, that I don't necessarily think... And to sell, like, car insurance. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's... I get the point of attention, and, and we're kind of living in an era where a lot of people still think that, like, any attention is good attention, but for the most part, you want positive attention uh, for the longevity of a brand. You don't just want 
you know, something that's going to get you awareness and then you die out tomorrow. You want something that's sustainable and that people can rally behind. So um, I, I don't I wouldn't see people going out on the streets and like supporting something like that. They'll reference it. And, and maybe if it comes time, they'll they'll choose that. But it's not like they're going and telling their friends about it because of the advertisement or, or the creative campaign that came out. So we're always trying to do something that can be a conversation starter. It's something positive and really interesting. Have you had any experience with, um, and even if it wasn't yours, but are there campaigns that you can point to that, that you would say like, okay, there's an example of one that had the opposite effect, that it made people yeah. feel a certain way? I think um, Havana Club, what Bacardi did with um, okay. Don't Tell Me I'm Not Cuban was an amazing campaign. Uh, it definitely had, uh, you know, it had a huge impact with the community down here. And now with what's going on with Amparo and, and things of that sort, it, it, it segued perfectly into that kind of uh, that whole campaign they're running. So that's one example that I would say uh, I, I enjoyed, and I think that they did a great job of. Yeah, yeah. So I was for I mean people who are maybe not uh, familiar, although we have talked about the Amparo experience here on this show uh, a few times now. Um, so Bacardi, for a while now, has owned the rights to the Havana Club name in the U.S. And so they've more recently made a, made a real push, uh, both on the product and on the marketing side, yeah. with their Havana Club brand, uh, which obviously there's part of the conflict or part of the story is the conflict with, you know, which is the real Havana Club, the one that Bacardi is making that um, they were, you know, supposedly given the recipe by the Arechavala family mm -hmm. uh, to make that rum, or the one that's made in Havana or in Cuba by the government that expropriated yeah. uh, that, ran, that rum brand from them. Um, so I actually just did uh, went through the Amparo experience for the third time. Wow! Because uh, I went I went through it twice when I was writing about it, and then again just now uh, because a friend was celebrating her birthday, and that's what she wanted to do. Awesome! Um, and yeah, it's it's always cool going through that with a new crop of people. To your point, it's people who've grown up often Cuban, but certainly always around Cubans and that Cuban exile story. And it's wild to see how effective uh, that marketing, what, what is ultimately a marketing campaign has been at really uh, making people feel that story in a new way, which they never expected they'd feel that story in a new way before. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's what uh, the kind of thing that we strive for and, and that I get excited about, a narrative that has legs that you can really build upon and, and resonate with people because... Uh, like we were referencing earlier, you can have the in-your-face uh, shock kind of value uh, advertisements, but they die out. So. Absolutely. All right, so we are coming up on another break. You are listening to The Draw live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. We have one segment left. You haven't brought me chicken wings. Shame on you. Here are some ads. All right, you are listening to The Draw live from Cigar Cellar at 1557 Sunset Drive. I am Cigar Snobs. Nick Jimenez, and I don't know what that VIP promo was about, but I am not going to MySpace. I am very comfortable with not MySpace, with Twitter and with Facebook, and with all the not dead platforms I'm using, so I'm sorry, Tony, uh, we will not be friends on MySpace when you haul ass to MySpace. Um, that is a weird thing. But I'm into it. All kinds of weird stuff happens on 1210 The Man, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, I am here with our special guest, David Berjano. Say hello to the people, David. What's up? There you go. A little what's up. A little what's up from David. Uh, <laughs> David is here with us. Not that he wouldn't have been invited otherwise, but it is also an especially big help because my boss, Eric Calvino, has abandoned me to go and take pictures of himself 
at the Grand Canyon. Um, it looks like a very good trip. Have you ever done the Grand Canyon? No, I have not yet. You like how I'm feeling the airwaves here with Grand Canyon talk? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I've been doing radio my whole life. Um, yeah, he's, he's out in, uh, in desert locales with his, uh, with his family, so I'm sure he'll have uh, desert stories and snake bite uh, tales and what have you to tell us when he comes back. Otherwise, I'll be very disappointed. Um, in the meantime, we are smoking Placencia Alma Fuerte. So this was Cigar Snob's number one cigar of 2017, and you can buy it right here at Cigar Cellar of Miami. Again, 1557 Sunset Drive. Tell Alex Broche that Nick sent you. That's really just for me to feel good about myself because I don't get kickbacks, and he may not care. But just tell him anyway. I want everybody. In fact, don't even, even if you don't buy something, if you're just walking by here, just poke your head and say, hey, guess what? Nick Jimenez sent me because I listened to the draw. Yeah. That's what you should say. And then go get chicken wings and bring them to me. Um, so you, you may not be aware of this, uh, uh, David. We've been uh, on this show now for roughly um, maybe three, four months, uh, but two of those months here at Cigar Cellar. And I have been demanding that someone bring me chicken wings every day, three days a week, uh, on live radio. And uh, the only people who brought me wings are people who I personally know. Yeah. So um, one day... I will know that I've made it as, uh, as a radio personality when there are chicken wings in front of me from a stranger. And then at that point, I'm sure that I will be too weirded out to eat them because God only knows who this person is and why they're bringing me chicken wings after hearing me on the radio. So the more I think about this and the longer I go without chicken wings, the less I actually want them because it just seems like everything your mom told you not to accept as a gift when you were a kid. Uh, it's not in a sealed container. It's just like loose, wet chicken yeah. wings. They could have, you don't even have to like inject them with anything, like all those Snickers bars that the old men in your neighborhood were trying to kill you with, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, but, do, but I'm going to eat them. I'm going to take the risk because I just like the idea too much, and I'm, I'm too deep. I'm in too deep. Bring yeah. me chicken wings. Um, sorry, there's nowhere for you to take that. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I um, want wings now, too. But yeah, so we're smoking Placencia Alma Fuerte. Beautiful cigar. You actually remarked when we picked it up just on how nice it looks. It no, looks, it looks like, a, like a chocolate bar. Yeah. Um, super, super nice looking cigar. Um, so yeah, come and check that out. Uh, over the break, we were talking about, and you, you dropped a couple mentions earlier about Spanish Marie, but uh, you're doing some work with Spanish Marie Brewery. Yeah. Let's tell the people about, uh, about the brewery itself and also some of the history behind that name because it is a cool history. Yeah, so it's just a brewery that's open already in uh, South Miami by the Tamiami Executive Airport. Um, and they're actually opening up a, a bigger location very soon, but they wanted to rebrand and they wanted to get a whole story behind the, the concept as they were positioning themselves for this new opening. But what was really exciting about it was the story in the namesake of the, the brewery, which is Spanish Marie. This woman, uh, Marie Waite, was actually a, a rum runner back in the 1920s here in Miami. Um, her husband was the original owner of the, the empire of, of smuggling down here. And uh, when he was killed, she had the decision to either run away with her family and find some other life or take over the business and, uh, you know, and take it to New Heights. And she did that. She did the latter. Um, and as a woman in the 1920s, after just being given voting rights, the fact that she was able to take it and make it a million-dollar business at that time, then 1926 to 1928, I believe it was, uh, was fascinating. And she would rum run and, and bring alcohol, beer, wine, and I believe cigars as well from Havana to South Florida. 
So she would do that for years and years and years. And she even, the, the name Spanish Marie actually came from the fact that she would make cryptic messages and she had radio communication, funny okay. enough, on her boats before the Coast Guards actually had it. Oh, wow. So, and then when they caught up to having the radio communication, she started speaking in Spanish so that they couldn't Got decipher it. what she was saying. So she would kind of like mix it up and use that to, uh, to her advantage. She had a flotilla of 15 boats at one point, some you know, loaded with, uh, with firepower and, and the others loaded with like jet engines, yeah. you know, airplane engines essentially to, to like outrun the, uh, the Coast Guard. That's wild. How crazy is it that there, that there was a time that the Coast Guard patrolling the waters off the coast of South Florida could be fooled by Spanish. Like if Spanish was, you know, yeah, not yeah. like Wind Talker Navajo Code or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Spanish. <laughs> Maybe. Now, now we're just looking at it like, how? Maybe it was like a, a super thick Cuban accented Spanish. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah, what it was. That, it was. that could be enough. It was before It was before the Coast Guard trainees were learning que vola, uh, <laughs> in, uh in whatever the equivalent of Coast Guard boot camp is. Somewhere yeah. there's a Coast Guard person like wondering what my Twitter handle is so you can tweet angrily at me about Coast Guard boot camp. Yeah. Um, no, but that is a, that's a cool story. And, and, and I think it's one of those things like, you know, we were talking about earlier, having a, a business that, that isn't just like some generic, you know, like there's a, a tie, even if it is, you know, in the name or the identity of the brand, yeah. you know, um, to, to this community. Correct. And more so than the, you know, cleavage stock photos yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that are out there. Like, you know, we're talking about what it does for a community. I think, you know, it's easy to lose sight of it. But a business like that even existing goes a long way in terms of, like, people knowing where they are and where they come from and the whole thing. The fact that we're even here talking about Spanish Marie. I had no idea who that was before. Yeah, neither did and I. And it's only because some brewery named themselves that. Yeah, it was, it's, it's awesome that I was able to learn about the story and dive deeper into it. The other fascinating part is that there's very limited information out there uh, about her. There's not even a single photo that we could find of her. There's just uh, accounts. People would say she was six feet tall, had crystal blue eyes, very charming woman. Um, and she used that toward her advantage, actually. When she took over the business, she would use her looks and charm to seduce some of the Coast Guards to the point of even sleeping with them and then killing them afterwards. Oh, man. Yeah, she she was ruthless at, at one point. I guess she was, she was vengeful about her husband being killed and... Uh, she really wanted uh, to make her families, you know, come back to the, their point of, of of the height that they had when when their husband was alive. So yeah, yeah. yeah. What are, are there any other uh, bits of of like Miami history or Miami lore or Miami whatever that over the course of you working with all these clients in different neighborhoods and having to get to know those areas that you've kind of picked up? Well, I mean, that specific example drove me to one of the. The, the actual FIU Wolfsonian was doing a series called Into the Stacks, and they brought out a bunch of stuff from the Prohibition era in Miami, from stuff from Cuba, advertisements, uh, labels, and, and paraphernalia from from that era. That I learned a lot about because of of that. You know, they, actually beer was something that in Cuba they weren't really doing much of in the 20s, but they knew that the Americans liked beer, so that's where Atway came from. They made Atuey to it. attract the American um, consumer over as part of the tourist push. Yeah. So, you know, they had the shows and then they had some beer and they had everything. So that, that was part of the allure that they used to, to attract American tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all, it's all part of the um, – it, it's incredible. You know, everybody tends to think of the Miami-Cuba connection as having begun in, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Um, but all through that – and you were talking about Spanish Marie having smuggled cigars over, which – I don't know a lot about 
the the history of whatever black market there may have been for Cuban cigars uh, before the embargo. Yeah. But I'm sure there there probably was one. Um, and but also there were a lot of factories in Florida, and all over the country that were rolling their cigars with uh, Cuban tobacco. The issue being that you know now there's all kinds of like refrigerated freight and all that stuff that you know you can ship cigars from Nicaragua or the Dominican or you know it, it could have been Cuba if not for the for the embargo. And you don't have much of an issue, but it used to be maybe a little bit more like beer, uh, in the sense that beer you can only ship so far, uh, and so you have you know it's it's not typical that you would have a, a brewery in one corner of the country and that you're drinking that brewery's beer all over the country. Yeah, cigars are that way now, but it wasn't always that way, and so you'd have factories. You know, all over the U.S., whether, you know, as far north as, you know, your Illinois and your uh, Wisconsin, uh, rolling cigars with Cuban tobacco. Um, so I wonder whether maybe, you know, something about the labor costs in the U.S. or whatever tariffs were imposed on Cuban tobacco. There probably was some kind of a black market for just bringing over the Cubans' cigars. Absolutely. I mean, it was a prohibition era, so there was a lot of people that just wanted to do whatever was not available or was, like, taboo in that era. So... Um, if it was cigars, if it was liquor, if it was anything of that sort, I'm sure the speakeasies were rampant in that era. So that you can imagine, people were definitely cigarettes were right. big. I don't know how much cigars played into it, but I'm sure that there were people that were yeah, consuming yeah. it. So uh, we have we have a few minutes left here. The, another question that occurs to me because now I'm just curious about your work and and what you're exposed to through your clients. Yeah. Setting aside like all the brand identity and all the creative stuff. Do you have any personal favorite products that you've that you've that are, are made or sold or whatever by some of the people that you have done work for? Because I imagine, for example, if you're doing work for John Falco, yeah. you're drinking all of John Falco's beer, yeah. which is a sweet deal. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any like personal favorite things where it's like maybe you even set up a meeting? No, no, no. This should not be a phone meeting. We gotta <laughs> meet in person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, with Strange Beast opening it, the pizzas that they're making there is actually are actually fantastic. Like. Very surprised at, at the level of of how good they are, and, and funny enough, it's the the main guy who's making the pizza was a college buddy of my business partners, and he flew. Oh, yeah? He moved here from Denver, Colorado, looking for a new life essentially, and he had experience making pizza. So Falco met with him, and they started making these pizzas, and they're fantastic. He, I've never had pickled pineapple on a pizza, and he did that in a way that it's like wow. unbelievable. Uh, and they just released that pizza, and I tried it out before they, they came out with it. So he's coming up with really cool concoctions on the pizza, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's really fun to, to try out the new flavors that they're coming out with. Very cool. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I haven't been out there, but I know uh, Carlos, who people know from the show. So you may not be aware of this, but Carlos hosts the show with us on Tuesdays. Okay. So it's me, Carlos, and Eric. Uh, we always joke that the, the promo for the show is and the cigar snobs. And Carlos Carlos is all of the other cigar snobs. Yeah, combined. Um, combined, yeah. He's multiple snobs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Carlos was at the opening, uh, or I guess the soft opening of, uh, of Strange Beast. I don't think I saw him, but I was there that day. Maybe he got there later. Yeah, yeah. it was his, well, probably earlier because it was his wife and his daughter. Okay. Uh, so he, he said it was a soft opening. Maybe he lied and he went the day after or something. Okay. But, but yeah, they went and he was super impressed with the food and all that. By the way, um, I don't know how public he wants to be about this, but congratulations to Carlos, who's, who just had another, another uh, baby. Baby on the, yeah. Uh, so Carlos, and we like to refer to them as Melu Babies, because he's, <laughs> he's Carluba, she's Melissa, they're Melu Babies, in the age of the necessary hashtag for everything. Uh, any, any of Carlos and Melissa's offspring have one, uh, so that's what that is. So now there's one more Melu Baby, and I'm very happy for Carlos and Melissa, because now 
uh, they don't have to invite anybody over to have a full game of dominoes, which is very <laughs> exciting for them. It's amazing. Uh, so let's, uh, let's transition back to the cigar. How are you feeling about the cigar? I'm enjoying it so far. It's so smooth. It, like, from the very beginning, it was the, 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 the wrapper looks beautiful. It, everything is you know, definitely meeting the expectations. For right, sure. right. Yeah, and it's, it's a super evenly, uh, the, the sheen on the wrapper too. You know, which I think it's one of those things people sometimes, um, it, it can be tough to communicate, like, what you want to look for in the, like, visual appearance of a cigar. Correct. But sheen, especially when it's, like, a nice, even, but not, like, super shiny sheen to me, you know, th that'll indicate that there's, like, a good, good oils, and the oils where the flavor is. Yeah. Um, you know, so sometimes you have cigars that taste great, and, and they have that sort of, like, uh, cardboard or very flat kind of color to them. Yeah. But there is, just like food, when food looks appetizing, it's probably for a reason. Yeah. Like, if food looks good, it might still taste bad, but there's a higher probability that it just is good. It's definitely something I look out for when I'm, I'm trying out new cigars. I'm, I'm looking out for that. I, I wouldn't call it sheen before. I guess I'm not as sophisticated yet. No, no. I, mean, I, would, I, would, I was just, like, a little bit oily, a little bit moist-looking. Yeah. Yeah, 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 a little moist-looking. It looks, it looks a little wet yeah, yeah. without actually being wet. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, and then... Um, uh, Next time that we're back on the show, uh, I, don't, I don't think Eric is back here tomorrow. Whenever Eric is back, which I think will be Wednesday, we'll be smoking uh, the number 25 cigar on our list of the top 25 cigars of 2018, and that is one made by Hoya de Nicaragua. It is the Hoya Silver. So we're going to smoke the Hoya Silver in Toro. That is a 6 by 52 sells for about $7.80 so if you haven't gotten out and gotten it, go get yourself Hoya Silver. Keep it on you. I apologize for not preparing with knowing Eric's vacation schedule. Yeah. Uh, we should probably have prepared better for this. Uh, but he will be here either tomorrow or the day after, at which point we will smoke Hoya Silver. Uh, even if Eric is not here, I will make sure personally that I steal all of the best swag that we have in the office because Tuesdays are generally T-shirt Tuesdays here on the show. That is when we give away... What do you think we give away on T-Shirt Tuesday? Uh, T-shirts. Boom. That's why this guy... That's why his clients trust him. <laughs> um, we're giving away T-shirts. However, we just did a trade show. It's possible that we're fresh out of T-shirts. So I'm going to make sure that I bring something. I'm going to bring something over. I don't know what that is. Maybe I'm going to steal Eric's guitar from his office or, you know, all his best booze. Uh, we have a kegerator in his office. I might wheel that over. You might win a kegerator, oh. or it might just be like extra copies of the magazine. Who knows? Yeah. You never know. <laughs> uh, so join us tomorrow at Cigar Cellar of Miami at 1557 Sunset Drive. It's T-Shirt Tuesday, sans T-shirts, but definitely some sort of giveaway stuff. And uh, you'll also see Carlos. Tomorrow, we are also joined by another special guest, Joe Cardona. So if you are into documentaries about Miami, you've probably seen some of his work on Channel 2 and other places. So Joe Cardona is joining us tomorrow on The Draw, live from Cigar Cellar. Thank you, David, for joining Thank you. And, uh, yeah, that's it. The show's over. Sorry, guys. This is, this is as smooth as it gets around here. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank Bye. Thank you.